Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hi, I'm Monica Packer, and this is About Progress, where we are about progress made practical. I recently had a pretty bad moment that my whole family got to witness. It was during the morning rush just last week, and Brad and I were trying to get five kids ready on time to take to school. I'm cleaning up breakfast while also making sure lunches and bags and water bottles are packed, hair is brushed, teeth are cleaned. I'm sure you know the drill. My stress is high, and I know that because my jaw is clenched, my body is on high alert, and I'm acting like a drill sergeant giving orders. If there was a color to describe how I was feeling during this morning rush, it would be orange. But that color quickly changed to blazing hot red with just one annoyed look from a family member that made me snap. And I'm not just talking about my snappy tone and words although those were definitely present, I'm also talking about how this almost literal snap happened inside my very body. I was completely dysregulated. Have you heard of that term before? And its opposite, regulation? These terms are pretty buzzworthy right now. I am hearing them everywhere, but especially in the parenting world. However, when I first heard about regulation back in 2020, I thought maybe it was some woo-woo science. I did not get how it worked and if it could work for me and my family. Luckily though, I was desperate enough to try anything. And in that trying, my life changed. I could write a book about the background on why this knowledge of regulation came into my life smack dab in the middle of 2020. 
Actually, in fact, it's part of what I do want to write a book about. Although I thought this would be the year to write a book, and it turns out having a baby is not conducive to book writing. In fact, I readily accepted very early on after his birth. So I'll just fast forward to why this all matters. In short, regulation saved me, and by extension, it saved the very thing I was desperate enough to try anything for my family. I'm going to share a little bit more about how and why that's all the case later on in this episode, but you should know that since learning about regulation and implementing what I was learning changed so much for me and mine, I've been on a mission to tell every person I meet about it because it applies to almost everything. But what I do, well, I imagine I'm seeing what the professional saw on me when she was explaining to me about the nervous system and its hand and mental health and development and personality, a wide-eyed skepticism. So instead of me trying to explain what regulation is and its counter-dysregulation, I got one of the leading experts I learned a lot from on all about this. Her name is Alyssa Blask-Campbell. Alyssa will teach both the basics of regulation and how to access it. If you're already skeptical on how this can help you and your relationships, including your parenting, please stick with it. It honestly might be the most important thing this podcast has ever taught you. Alyssa Blast-Campbell is the CEO of Seed and Sow, an organization that provides tools for parents, teachers, and caregivers to raise emotionally intelligent humans. She has a master's degree in early childhood education, is a leading expert in emotional development, traveling the world, speaking on the topic, and as a mom to almost two. Her first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is co-authored with Lauren Staubel and was recently published with HarperCollins. Just a quick note, this episode is actually not about parenting, but it will help your parenting caregiving, teaching, and grandparenting, if any of those apply to you, but it will also help with any relationship you have in your life, starting with yourself. This hopefully life-changing interview is coming up right after a short break. November is our seven-year anniversary month for the About Progress podcast. Since this podcast and its community are my favorite, I love to share my favorite things with you. I'm continuing my yearly favorite things giveaway, so all November long, I'll be showering this community with my favorite things, from my go-to soft cover notebook and gel pen to the best handheld vacuum that can work in the tiniest of spaces and more. To enter for the Favorite Things giveaway, I've made it as doable as possible. All you need to do is email me at hello at aboutprogress.com a screenshot of a recent podcast rating and review you've left on any podcast app, or a screenshot of you sharing the show, either personally like sending a text to a friend or publicly on social. The sharing submissions actually means you can qualify for my favorite things as many times as you share the show. Just email me those screenshots each time you do them to hello at aboutprogress.com. The favorite things gifts will be rolled out all month long, and I'll be drawing from the whole rolling bank of submissions. So the earlier you enter and the more you enter, the more likely you are to win. Again, I'm making this as doable and as fun as possible. 
Additionally, there's a second part of this giveaway. I'll also be giving three grand prize winners my very favorite thing to receive as a gift, cold hard cash to spend any way you want. Grand prize winners will receive $100 in cash each. You can automatically enter for the grand prizes by doing the same thing you did with part of the favorite things giveaway, just leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. And did you see what I said there? Like you can enter to both parts of the giveaway just by doing that one thing. Grand prize winners will also be pulled from any reviews that have been left on Apple Podcasts and iTunes left anytime in 2023. So you might have already entered. I'll announce the grand prize winners the first week of December on my newsletter and on Instagram, just in time for your holiday shopping. I want to thank you for every listen, share, and review that you have left over the last seven years, and I hope for at least seven more to come. You are my favorite. Alyssa Blask Campbell, welcome to About Progress. Thanks. I'm excited to be here with you. This is a topic that people will think does not have anything to do with them, but it absolutely does, even though it looks like it's about parenting. It's not. We're talking about regulation today. Let's begin with this quick question I have for you. Is this a new thing or has it been around for a long time, the word regulation? What does it mean? Give us a little bit of background. Sure. It's definitely not new. It's something that we've had for a very long time. It's just really zeitgeisty right now. And in a way that I'm jazzed about, it means that we're thinking about the nervous system and talking about it really publicly and in a way that we haven't for a long time and in a way that I think a lot of us didn't grow up experiencing. And now that we are talking about it more, now it's like, okay, what does this mean? And what do we do with it? Right. So it's become pretty buzzwordy. But when we're, you said, what does it mean? I think that's a great question because I think people toss out the word like regulation or regulated quite often. And it really means the ability to kind of cycle through different states in your nervous system with ease. So Hmm. if I'm in a regulated state and my husband comes in, from work and he's had a hard day and he's really grumpy and he says something kind of sarcastic or snippy. If I'm in a regulated state, I can receive that and be like, oh, he must have had a hard day. I can still calm my body and show up and say, hey, what's going on, bud? I, it sounds like you've had a hard day. Do you want me to take something off your plate? Should I prep dinner? Do you need a little minute to like calm? If I'm in a dysregulated state when he walks in and he is snippy and sarcastic, I might get snippy back. Now I'm dysregulated too. We are both kind of firing off each other and we end up in this cycle Mm -hmm. where no one's accessing what we consider self-control, where you're choosing your words and choosing your actions and choosing your tone, that having access to those skills requires regulation. So you're you're describing some emotions, like an emotional reaction, but then you also talked about the nervous system and the body. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got confused a lot when I was first learning about this. And it's also where I get confused in trying to explain it to other people. Sure. How do these things work together? Yeah. So the nervous system is a part of the body. And so when we're looking at like the emotions part, emotions are just nervous system reactions to other things. So when 
I walk into a space and I see somebody who has like red puffy eyes and maybe like maybe even tears coming down their face. My nervous system has a reaction and tries to make meaning of what I'm seeing. So I'm going to look at them and my nervous system might get heightened. Oh no, are they feeling sad? Are they like disappointed? Are they embarrassed? What's happening for them? And it tries to make meaning of what I'm seeing, often with emotion words, like what's coming up for them. Emotions for us, it's really quite simple in terms of inside the body. Your nervous system says, oh, wow, I'm having a reaction to something I'm seeing. So if the fire alarm starts to go off right now, my nervous system is going to fire inside some adrenaline and cortisol and it's going to shut down the like rational thinking part of my brain. It's going to turn on my like survival brain that says, get out of the house. The fire alarm's going. If we paired an emotion with that, it might be like scared or frightened, um, maybe even nervous. And really what it is, is the nervous system reaction. And then we pair an emotion word with these nervous system reactions. Does that make sense? It does. And what does this have to do then with the brainstem? And I, because I, I've heard that come up too. I just want to make sense. Sure, of that. sure, sure. So let's, I'm going to walk you through an example of kind of what happens inside the body. So if you take, for instance, that fire alarm going off, and the fire alarm starts to go off, we're hanging out right now, it goes off. And then my prefrontal cortex, that rational thinking brain shuts down, my amygdala, that primal brain turns on, and my body starts to produce adrenaline and cortisol. It's a stress response. And this is awesome because it keeps us alive in the same way that like if you were being attacked by a bear or if you were standing in the street and you saw a car coming, you wouldn't stand there and say, should I move? Should I walk? to the No, you would just do it. You just react. And when we're in this reactive part of our brain, we are in a dysregulated state. Our nervous system is not regulated. And we are really acting, not thinking, right? So we're in this reactive okay. place. In order to get back to a place where we're then thinking, we need to be able to notice what's happening inside, of the sensations, and then regulate, uh, calm the nervous system, and then we can start to gain access, and then we can make meaning. This is where, like, later we're like, wow, where did that car come from? Why was it zooming down the street? We might ask ourselves those questions. Once we get out of the house from the fire alarm, then we're like, okay, I wonder what started it. This is where we might start to access more of those questions. But in the moment, what we don't want is for the fire alarm to go off and you're like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. Should I leave? I wonder what started that. We just want you to get out of the house. It's a survival tactic. And it's really, truly helped us survive to this point. And it does the same thing, whether it's a real threat or a perceived threat. So if it's the fire alarm or it's a bear attacking us, the same thing happens versus if my child is melting down on aisle four of the grocery store because he's upset that I won't let him get something. My nervous system also starts to melt down on aisle four of the grocery store and it, it goes through that same kind of threat response. So basically, when we are dysregulated, 
our nervous system is is functioning from a place where we're in the fight or flight zone of yeah. the amygdala, right? But near the brainstem and we're not able to think and process through things, also process the emotions um, in ways that are helpful. Correct. Right? Yep. It's our our okay. sympathetic nervous system is the part that's like that reactive responds to danger. And paras the brains. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so to get regulated again, we're trying to switch from the sympathetic to parasympathetic, which also means we're trying to go from the back of the brain, the brainstem more to the front. Mm-hmm. So let's clarify this for people who do have kids. And maybe they have been hearing this word regulation or dysregulation in the context of parenting. What would that look like for a child then? What what behaviors would they see from a child who is regulated versus dysregulated? Sure. Dysregulation can show up in a lot of ways. Um, and some are more triggering for us than others. So it can be like the classic tantrum meltdown. It could also be that a kid's ignoring you, that we see defiance, misbehavior. It could be, you know, the hitting, kicking, biting. It could be running away. It can be like kind of like silliness where maybe they go up over and they knock their siblings like block tower down and then they smile and run away. And really they're dysregulated in that moment, but it looks on the surface like they're choosing this and then they're smiling about it. So dysregulation can show up in a number of ways. And for for all of us, too, like the way that dysregulation, one of my, my husband's go-tos, when we think of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn as those reactive states, we tend to have certain reactions to different emotions. So maybe when you okay. feel scared, you go into fight mode, or maybe you freeze. Maybe when you feel embarrassed, you freeze or you flee. You want to get as small as possible or you want to run away from it. My son right now is two and a half. He, when he feels embarrassed, he runs and hides. He wants to be as small and quiet and disappear, right? I think of it if he was a turtle, he'd want to hide in his shell versus when he feels mad or frustrated, he usually goes more into like fight mode where he might throw the piece of chalk that he has in his hand. And the same for us as adults. My husband will often go towards like freeze or flee where he'll just kind of like get quiet or he'll take space. And for me, I typically will fawn or freeze Um, or I'm sorry, fawn or flee. So I'll either run away from a situation. When the pandemic started, I was in the middle of a miscarriage and everything just felt really heavy and hard. And I was like, maybe we could move to Maine. We live in Vermont. And my husband was like, yeah, sure, maybe. But in my head, right, I just want to run away from all of it. That's my nervous system reaction. Mm-hmm. Or to fawn, which is to people, please, where I'm like, oh, there's tension in this space and it's dysregulating and I want to bring the peace, right? And so yeah. in order to try, to try and achieve regulation to keep my body safe, we'll go into like people pleaser mode. Thank you for breaking that down for us, because when I first had this explained to me, it was by this incredible professional that we found after years of trying to get one child help. (laughs) And he was almost diagnosed with like everything in the book. But eventually they just said, you know, it's basically it's trauma to the brain development. He's just stuck in dysregulation. And I thought it was like cuckoo science. I had never heard of it before. It was all new to me. But since then, it's changed our lives. And not only has it changed how we show up and have helped him and how he's grown and how he's learned, 
like his brain cells have literally changed. Like he knows how to get into that regulation state. It's helped every other child in our family. And it's helped me and my husband. I feel like everything comes back to regulation. And that's <laughs> like from kids who are neurodivergent, which we have three of, and kids who are not and have just the same regulation issue. So the reason I'm saying all that is because the thing that both surprised me the most about how to help them and that also made me feel a little, oh, great, another thing for me to work on, was they said, in order to help my child learn how to be more regulated, I had to show up to the dysregulation regulated. It's a real doozy. It's a real doozy. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. So can you speak to totally. that? And, and let's do this with the lens of with children who are dysregulated or people in our Totally, household. anyone. Yeah. So how do we do it? Totally. So feelings are contagious unless there's regulation. And whether that's with a kid or it's with your partner, or it's with your coworker, or it's with your friend, feelings are contagious unless there's regulation. Mm-hmm. We, When I wrote Tiny Humans Big Emotions, we wrote it in three parts. And part one dives into kind of the neuroscience, what's happening in our brain and our body, and the us part of it. Our method, collaborative emotion processing, is five components. One's adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. And it's what you're saying here that in those moments when something happens and let it could be a child that's having a hard time and melting down, or maybe it's your friend that just said something in a group of people that was embarrassing for you. And you would thought like shared this in confidence and then they just shared it. And now inside you might feel like your heart beating fast and your shoulders go up to your ears. Maybe for me in these moments, I often get like sweaty or clammy and I my like chest kind of gets tight. This is my nervous system reaction. This is the dysregulation at play. And okay. if I'm going to at some point have a conversation with that person or even be a part of that social group in the next few minutes, I have to notice what's happening for me in order to regulate. Otherwise, I'm going to react. I'm going to react from my past. I'm going to react from this triggered space. Mm -hmm. I'm going to react from the biases and narratives that I have from my childhood, what I've seen happen, what I've learned in the past has happened, what people have told me about these. And when I think of kids, one that's been coming up a lot in our conversations is an age bias with kids. They should know better. They're old enough to know better. They should hit a certain age where they magically have these tools and know what to do with them. And those are all from our childhood, right? Where we maybe heard that or we were exposed to that in some capacity. And now those narratives and uh, those parts of us live inside and in these moments of dysregulation, those different parts surface to try and keep us safe and to try and keep our kids safe. And So in the embarrassment scenario with a friend um, and maybe even disappointment or frustration coming up that you shared something in confidence and now it's being shared in a way that doesn't feel good to you, when you can notice those feelings in your body and when you have a toolbox for then how to regulate, then you can access the right questions to ask yourself, the right questions to ask that person. The things that you want to say and how you want to say them, the tone, the words, all that becomes more accessible when you can pump the brakes on that adrenaline and cortisol, when you can calm that nervous system back down. And what is not their job is for you to react and be like, hey, 
and fly off the handle. And then for them to be the one that brings the calm. That I, I, For me, this work is so empowering because as I've built my own toolbox, it means I get to show up and respond regardless of whether the other person is regulated or not. Which is fascinating because, as you said, feelings are contagious, right? Mm -hmm. So even when someone else is dysregulated, hopefully our calm nervous yeah. system can also be contagious with time. That's right. And what it shows, if we think about it like a, just like neuroscience level, when if you think of two animals in the wild, if one of them is in fight mode and gets big and the other one gets into fight mode, they're there to fight each other. Now, if one animal goes into fight mode and the other one kind of like softens, then this one is like, okay, maybe I'm safe to let my guard down. And that's what happens for us as humans, that if one person goes into fight mode and the other responds with regulation and has a regulated tone and their body softens and they invite the space, it lets the triggered person's nervous system know, oh, I can let my guard down. I'm safe here. This person's not trying to fight me. It allows for vulnerability to exist. That's beautiful to think about. I want to take a quick break to share about this episode's sponsor, Vionic Shoes. You've been hearing me talk about them a lot, and it's not just because they're a sponsor, it's because I love their shoes so very much. I was so excited when they agreed to be a sponsor that I shared about it on Instagram and right away got many DMs from fellow Vionic enthusiasts, from a teacher who was working on her feet all day to a mom who wants to look cute, but also feel comfortable as she's doing the school drop-offs and pickups. I am of the latter group for sure. And I got the Alfinas. It's an Oxford in platinum black leather. It kind of has a bit of a chunkier sole, but not too chunky because I don't really need to try to keep up with the teens right now. But my friends, I have felt so stylish from strolling the aisles of Costco to just wearing them around my house. I even wore them on a TV segment and to church. They basically go with all the things. If you're looking to have your feet feel more supported and comfortable, but also still stay stylish and cute, check out Bionic's many styles from Oxfords to loafers to sneakers to boots for the fall season. You can get 15% off your entire order by going to www.bionicshoes.com and use the code PROGRESS when you log into your account. One time use only. Again, that's PROGRESS at checkout for 15% off. Bionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. So when I am imagining that scenario and I'm tracking the signs of dysregulation where I can see it happening in my body and take note, that's me dysregulated. What are the next steps then to use the body to help yeah. with the nervous system and the emotions? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, to regulate. Yeah. So you can't regulate what you're not aware of. So first, yeah, we're building awareness of what happens in my body when I'm having a hard feeling, when I am in that triggered state. And as you start to notice those, just like, oh, I start to breathe faster or whatever. My chest is tight. My heart's beating fast. I'm clammy. My shoulders go up to my ears. My hands are in fists. Those sorts of things. As you start to notice those cues, then you can start to regulate. The fastest, most accessible way to regulate is through your breath, mm. which is I find yeah. like annoyingly simple with how it sounds. 
And I'm like, there's no way when I'm like in this state that breathing is going to do anything. And then it does. And you're like, oh, shoot, it's working. And when we tap into our breath, it's really looking at deep breathing. So like really want to expand into the belly, not just the chest and have a longer exhale than an inhale. And if you do that even for 10, 15, 30 seconds, it's going to start to have an impact and it'll start to stop the adrenaline and cortisol production in your body and start to produce serotonin, which regulates your nervous system. That adrenaline and cortisol is what keeps you on alert and this start to take you off of that alert mode. Some other things that are helpful, we outline these in the book too as people are learning about their nervous system. There are eight sensory systems. We often think of five sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Those like five senses. There are three more. One is interception. This is noticing like the feelings inside of your body. So if I say I have butterflies in my stomach, you know what that feels like. If I say I'm hungry, my like stomach is growling, you know that feeling, right? So noticing those internal cues. Um, Interception is those internal cues. A vestibular input, that is where we move the plane of our head. It is located in your inner ear and it's responsible for your like balance and movement. And you can get vestibular input from swings, from dipping upside down, from spinning. And then we have proprioceptive. This is your like big body play. People who are craving proprioceptive input might enjoy like a kickboxing class or going for a run, some heavy work like CrossFit is right up your alley. And when we look at these eight sensory systems, we are all different in that we are all sensitive to some of them and then regulated by others. So I am sensitive to vestibular input. If I'm on swings for a long time or any length of time, I start to get like lightheaded or nauseous. I am sensitive to sound and certain sounds specifically can really add up for me. I'm regulated by touch and perceptive input are two really regulating things for me. And so a massage or a hug or being close to somebody, having a baby on my body is really regulating for me. My child is regulated by vestibular input (laughs) and is dysregulated by touch. And so in those moments when it's time for regulation, what I need and what he needs are often different. He, if I try to give him a hug or touch him when he's already in a dysregulated state, he's sensitive to touch. And so it will further dysregulate him. And so as we're looking at what do we do in the moment, one thing for all of us is breath. But beyond that, it's really getting to know your nervous system and start to notice what am I sensitive to? We think of this as a battery of what drains your battery, what recharges it. And so of those eight sensory systems, starting to notice what drains my battery. Like we have this Thomas the Train toy that somebody got me um, who must really not like me because it makes this terrible clicking sound when it gets like stuck in a corner and I just want to throw it out a window. And when I can <laughs> when I can notice like, oh, there's a clicking sound happening. And now everything feels harder. Like my child's meltdown feels harder or even just like getting 
ready to go out to the car feels harder, any decisions start to feel harder, that means my nervous system is being drained. And when we can notice those patterns, we can start to tune into what's happening around us that might be draining it. Um, Is there clutter? Are you visually sensitive and there's clutter around you and it's really draining your nervous system? I'm a human who's not very sensitive to, to visual stimulation. And so I can walk into a space that has like piles and clutter and whatever, and it doesn't pull from my nervous system. And my husband's the opposite, where he's like, how can you not see the pile of clothes on the stairs every time you walk up? And I truly just don't see it. It doesn't, it doesn't drain me. And so in terms of the what do we do in the moment, it's really going to depend on who are you and what are you sensitive to versus what are you regulated by? And is this something that your book would help people identify both for themselves and for their children? Okay. I'm glad to hear. That's that's a resource in the book. That's where we can do a little bit more development. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's honestly, uh, so much of this work is personal development um, because we can't do this work with kids unless we're doing it with ourselves. And as I've been doing more and more personal development work on this journey, like getting to know my nervous system and what drains me versus what recharges me has been such a game changer because it allows yeah. me to show up with more intention in every area of life when I'm mindful of that. And you know, one of the things we ended up talking about a lot on this podcast accidentally because I had no plans to do that was habit formation. Mm. And for me, it's because so much of when you find out what does charge those batteries, you can preemptively work on your regulation through those habits. Like for me, movement is extremely regulating, not the vestibular kind. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, but other kind of movement helps me. So making sure I go on a walk mm-hmm. each morning before my kids get up who need a lot, you know, I that helps me be regulated as I show up to them, yeah. which is huge. huge. It's huge. I actually, I'm sure then you've talked about habit stacking on here. Okay, yes. great. Yeah, but yeah. So one of the like habit stacking practices that I added in a couple months ago, I was like, okay, I needed something small and accessible. I life's wild, don't always have time for a 30 minute workout or whatever. And so I started to look at my day of like, where could I stack something new that would be regulating? And noticed that every time I was going to the bathroom, I was often bringing my phone. And it's just like further draining, I get right? This. Like yes. I yeah. am in there, I'm like answering emails or I'm sending a text or I'm adding a grocery order or whatever, but I'm like uh, still doing something. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm going to the bathroom all the time. And so I was like, this is an opportunity yeah. to have little mini pauses throughout the day when I'm already going to have to go to the bathroom. Now, a lot of my bathroom trips involve a two-year-old. And so I'm in there. And I started to just not take my phone and instead put my hand over my heart and a hand on my belly and take deep breaths. Sometimes it's 10 seconds, sometimes it's a minute, and it often involves a toddler touching me or talking to me or whatever. But I was like, I'm just going to add this in and decrease the screens part. And then he started to do like toilet learning. He now uses the toilet by himself, but in the process, he said, In the process, one night he's getting ready for the bath and my husband was like, 
hey, Liz, what's going on in here? And I pop in and his eyes are closed and his hands on his chest and his hands on his belly. And he's doing these breaths. And I was like, oh, right. You haven't been going to the bathroom with me like he has. This is the new habit of mine. But it's finding, isn't that cool? It's just finding those little ways. I'm aware. Can I pop this in throughout the day? It doesn't have to be a 10, 15 minute, 20, 30 minute ordeal. Sometimes it's 15 seconds and really making it accessible. Oh, I could not love that more. And that's huge. A part of how we have taught habits and learned it in this community is it's the small moments that make such a big difference. So Alyssa, just a couple more quick questions for you. The first one that I just want to make sure we're covering is emotions aren't bad, right? So it's not like we're like, don't ever be angry. If you're angry or dysregulated, got to regulate that <laughs> right away or sad or whatever. So where's the balance yeah, yeah, yeah. there? So also dysregulation isn't bad. Everyone, unless you okay. have a hormonal imbalance, everyone cycles in and out of regulation and dysregulation throughout the day. So it's not like you need to be 100% no. regulated. That's not the Mm-mm. goal. It's just to track it better and Notice. utilize Really, it we're looking better. at like mindfulness here. So for us, emotions are not bad. All emotions are valid and worthy of being felt. Now, all of us are going to come to adulthood with certain emotions that are harder for us to experience based on our childhood of maybe when you felt sad, somebody tried to distract you out of it. Or when you felt scared, somebody tried to make it stop or go away so that you wouldn't feel scared. We all learn that certain emotions we're not supposed to feel and that we're failing if we're feeling. And so now we come to adulthood and maybe if it was fear for you growing up, now every time you feel scared, you feel like you're supposed to make it stop and go away. And with emotions, the more you're trying to make them stop, it's like quicksand. You just get buried into it. Mm -hmm. And Fear, for instance, if you try to make it stop, what it ends up being is anxiety. You now are in this spiral of anxiety. And so what we're looking at here is the ability to be like, oh, wow, I notice what's happening in my body. And we separate sensory regulation versus emotional regulation. Sensory being that nervous system part of this. I can regulate my nervous system and get back to a body that feels safe right now and still feel frustrated with this situation or still feel angry, or still feel sad, and be able to access my words and my language and my um, thoughts and my tone on my actions, all that jazz. But we separate these two out. I'm going to notice the body part and build tools for regulation there. And then I can be with this emotion as long as I need to be with this emotion, but without spiraling. So I got your book you know, because of my my kids. But honestly, it's 50% for me because I want to better, better access what you're teaching here and learn new ways of doing it. I, I've always been a person who likes to outproduce my emotions. And like you said, they come back to find me wherever yeah. I run to or <laughs> however I've tried to outproduce them. So I'm working on this a lot and I need more tools and I'm excited to access your book for them. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you wanted to create this book and what people can can find in it? Sure. And let's start with the title, sure. Tiny Humans, Big Emotions. Yes. But tell us more about yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm also right there with you, like forever building tools. It's never about perfection. I've never left a day and been like, wow, I was a perfect parent or a perfect teacher today or a perfect friend or a perfect partner. I responded perfectly all the time. Not the goal forever on this journey together. For us in writing the book, so we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method after both Lauren and I were teaching in early childhood 
and realized that a lot of what we were exposed to was about the kids. And it was like what to say or do in the moment for certain behaviors to stop or to elicit certain behaviors. And it like sounded like it made sense. And then in practice, we would be triggered by certain behaviors. And all of a sudden now I'm reacting instead of responding. And the script goes exactly, exactly. And so as we started to dive into this, Lauren, my co-author, was like, hey, I think we're doing something different. And as we looked at what we were doing that was different, so much of it was about us as the adult and focused on our own awareness and regulation and our own narratives, that personal development stuff for us. And then it allowed us to access the language, the tools, the ability to then connect with kids in real time. And uh, so then we created the SEP method. We researched it across the U.S. in conjunction with the university and uh, then wanted to bring it to the world. So we wrote Tiny Humans, Big Emotions. Let's see, we finished the research in 2018 and then collected data. So it's been a long time coming. I'm excited for it to be able to be available for folks as a resource. Incredible. Well, knowing you and, and, and just how familiar I am with the work you do, no part of this was thrown together and, and also delivered in a way that it not only feels like I can learn this, but I can also practice it in doable ways uh, that gives me hope instead of just like another thing to be mad at myself. <laughs> totally. Over. So I so am appreciative of, of what you do. We always like to end our interviews with you sharing one small way that listeners can take action on what they learned today. Yeah. So what would that be? I would start by just noticing. And my favorite way to start this practice is to set random alarms for yourself, like three to five phone alarms that are going to beep or go off at random times throughout your day where when they go off, your job isn't to change anything. It's just to notice where are my shoulders, what's happening with my breath, what's happening inside, how is my body feeling, just starting to tune in to where am I and what's happening. Amazing. Thank you for that and for this incredible interview. I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your very busy life right now. Alyssa, where else can we make sure we're following along with your work? Totally. Yeah. So I have a podcast, Voices of Your Village podcast, where we drop episodes every Thursday and some are really parenting related and some are really just us related of ourselves doing this work. We have an Instagram that's pretty bumping at c.and.so, S-E-W. I like to hang out there. And then, of course, the book Tiny Humans, Big Emotions is wherever books are sold. It's available globally. So a number of countries are carrying it as well. It's in a bunch of different languages. So uh, and I read the audiobook for it, if that's how you like to consume books. So- yeah. Yeah. I'm big into audiobooks, but this is the one I'm like, I need to highlight <laughs> dog ear, make sure I can reference. So I'm getting a tangible copy. So I still look forward to reading it. Thank you for your amazing words of wisdom and help and the work that you Thank do. Thank you so much for having me. What a gift to get to hang with you. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants you need to grow. 
I'll now share the progress pointers from this episode. These are the notes I took so you don't have to, and those on my newsletter get them in a graphic form each week. You can sign up at aboutprogress.com newsletter. And just so you know, this is a meaty one, so you're gonna want to get on that newsletter. And if you sign up for this after we already sent it, just email me back after you receive a newsletter and say, hey, Monica, can I get the graphic from the week that you had an interview with Alyssa? And I'll know what to send to you. Number one, regulation is all about our nervous system and how well or easily we can move between its states from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Emotions are our nervous system's reactions to external and internal triggers. Number two, those triggers, however real or perceived, can lead us to react with the non-thinking part of our brain, the amygdala, rather than the thinking part, the prefrontal cortex. That is dysregulation, and it's a survival response that kicks into gear with the sympathetic nervous system state. Number three, different emotions and triggers can create different reactive states for each person. What is regulating for some may be dysregulating for others. Number four, build awareness of what dysregulation feels like in your body, including what sensory inputs drain you. Notice those cues, then start to regulate. The fastest and most accessible way is through deep breathing. Other ways include tapping into which of your eight sensory systems recharge you. And number five, consider how habits can help you show up more regulated to your life and help you more easily shift from dysregulated to regulated. Nobody will ever be 100% regulated. The goal is more about mindfulness and increased skill in moving between states within your nervous system. Your do something challenge for this week is to tune in and notice how your body is feeling a few times a day. I especially love how doable that challenge is because as Alyssa said, and as I've learned in so many other areas of personal development and habit formation and deep identity work that we have done throughout the seven years of this podcast is that almost everything comes back to just noticing. That's where we start. Just start noticing. I would love to hear how this challenge goes for you. You can email me at hello at aboutprogress.com or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm there at aboutprogress. And I pull from these shares to highlight a few progressors a month during our Thursday episodes. Before we go, I want to remind you about our seven-year favorite things giveaway going on. It's happening all November and it's really easy to submit to the giveaway. Just leave a rating and review on a podcast app and send me a screenshot of it, text a friend or share about the podcast on social media and send me a screenshot of that. Any of those count as submissions. You can do it as many times as you want with the shares too at hello at aboutprogress.com. And from those ratings and reviews left on Apple Podcasts, anytime this year, actually, I'm going to pull three grand prize winners. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Okay, because I have pre-ordered it. It's not, mm. um, I said that really weird, so I'm going to say that again. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.